if you notice what the what St. Luke said about that last phrase, he departed from him for an opportune time. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. Our scripture, besides the account of Jesus' temptation, is, is really that last verse of the Old Testament lesson from the, um, from the book of Exodus, the third chapter, where it says Moses turned aside to see this, this thing, this bush that was burning but not consumed, and God used that as an opportunity. When he saw that Moses turned to see, he called to him from the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. We begin a sermon series for these Sundays that are, that are within the Lenten season. We just started Lent, of course, this past Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. And um, each of the Sundays prior to Palm Sunday, we're going to be focusing on uh, a word specifically related to the work of the Holy Spirit. And um, as Lutheran Christians... Conservative Lutheran Christians, sometimes we are looked at as being those who might, well, ignore or, or shortchange the work of the Holy Spirit. After all, we've got the God the Father who created the world and everything in it and keeps it going. Not only that, he provides everything that we need for this body and life. We proclaim the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he did for us, atoning for our sin. The doctrine of justification by grace through faith is the doctrine upon which the Christian church stands and falls. Yes, we celebrate that and proclaim that every opportunity that we get. And so if it seems like we don't talk about the Holy Spirit as much, well, maybe, maybe that's the case. But we have that opportunity to do so over these next few weeks. And we should be aware of this fact, that if it were not for the Holy Spirit, not a single one of us here today would not only not be here, we would not even be Christians. Martin Luther, in his explanation to the six chief parts, as we have many of our kids in our St. Lawrence school memorize those at various points, but to the explanation of the third article, which is the article that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, and so forth. He uses five words that describe in particular the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to invite us to join together in saying Luther's explanation for that third article. And so where Luther says, what does this mean? We join together and say, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies an old Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, 
He daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, He will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. So there you go. You have the basis for which we're going to be speaking. And today, the unveiled life called by the gospel. So to begin or continue, can you remember if there's ever been a time in your life where you felt called by the Holy Spirit? You don't have to answer that question out loud. I can tell you that the very first calling that the Holy Spirit would have placed in my life was one that I have no recollection at all of because he used the sacrament of holy baptism when I was but 10, 12 days old. I was blessed with Christian parents who brought me to the baptismal font, and in that sacrament, the application of water with God's Word, the Holy Spirit called me by the gospel of Jesus Christ and made me His. God put His name on me, and my name in return was placed upon the palm of God's hand. I was given faith, and that was my initial calling. By God's grace, that, that faith was able to be strengthened as I grew and, and learned the Word and, and so forth and blessed in so many ways, not the least of which was through a Lutheran school. But more about that later. But for some people, many people perhaps, some of you, it may not have been that way, that your first calling by the Holy Spirit may not have happened in that way. In fact, it may have been when you were a bit older Maybe uh, a teenager, college, or maybe as an adult, maybe even later in life. And most likely in those cases, the Holy Spirit was at work using the Word. Whether that was by reading the Bible, by hearing it in church, or maybe by seeing it being witnessed in the life of someone or others in your life around you. That you could tell that the Holy Spirit, maybe you didn't even know it was the Holy Spirit, but something was calling you, telling you that, that God had a plan for you, that He wanted you to be His, and that He was in fact leading you in faith to follow Him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He calls us to faith. But we should be aware that besides that initial call into faith when he converts us and makes us his, the calling continues over and over again daily if we allow it that the Holy Spirit calls us because it's not just calling us to faith once and for all. He's calling us to faith and then a life that proceeds from faith by which we get to demonstrate the love that God has showered on us, to show it to others, and in fact, to direct our lives in ways that we may never have imagined they would go because we follow that calling wherever he leads us. That's what we see in the call of Moses from the burning bush. You may have 
recall that account from Sunday school or somewhere else, but that God uses this, this miracle of a burning bush that is not consumed to get Moses' attention and basically to say to Moses, Moses, I've got a job for you. And it's not hard. Don't worry about it. All you have to do is you have to go to the most powerful and um, influential and ruthless person in the world of your time and then go up to him and say, uh, Mr. Pharaoh King, um, all of your slave labor, uh, they need to come with me. Is that okay? That's all he asked them to do. Maybe that's why Moses was a little bit reluctant to jump at the opportunity. I'm sure he had no idea what was going to be involved. But you know what? As we read Scripture, we find out that it was indeed by the calling of the Holy Spirit who gave Moses the faith, who was able to respond ultimately, even as he did at the very beginning of that episode, with the words, Here I am. God is indeed calling you to follow. It may not be to lead a nation out of exile or captivity, I should say, but he's calling you nonetheless. He does indeed have a special plan for you. But that plan is not going to be easy. We heard that in the account of Jesus today. You know, this first Sunday in the season of Lent is typically when the account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil, is read. That temptation, boys and girls, you know how long Jesus was in the wilderness and for how long he fasted and so forth. Just call out the number of days that you think it was. Forty days. And guess what? Our season of Lent, you know how long it is? 40 days. I wonder if there's a connection there. Maybe it's just a coincidence. I don't know. But we read that account because of that, but we hear that Jesus was called, I think we can use that word, he was called by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness. Did he know what was ahead of him? I don't know. He may have known much but not every detail. As God, he certainly would have known everything, but had he set that knowledge aside and according to, yes, his human nature, would he have known everything that was to come? No. No, he wouldn't have. And so he was called for a 40-day spiritual retreat that would involve fasting, not eating any food, of prayer and of meditation, I'm sure he used the opportunity to remember and recite, believe it or not, boys and girls, his memory work. Did you know Jesus had to do memory work when he was growing up? Absolutely, he did. But did he know that Satan was going to be there to tempt him? Satan himself, by the way. And to come and tempt him at his weakest time and try to hit him in his weakest point in order to get him to trip, to stumble, not necessarily physically, but spiritually, to undermine the ministry of what Jesus had come to do before it had ever begun. But that's exactly what happened. The devil was there. 
And yes, we're told about three temptations in this particular case. But the scriptures do make it clear that there were far more than that. And that the devil was indeed looking for every opportunity to tempt Jesus to sin. Do you think it's going to be any different for God's people today? Of course not. You've already experienced it. You know that. And if you haven't thought about it, maybe you don't even realize it's going on. And that's why it's good that we come together as Christians and to hear the Word, to be confronted with God's law and to realize that, whoa, maybe those things that we thought were just fine or never gave any attention to, maybe, maybe those things are things that, that are leading us away from God rather than closer. You know, the devil uses a particular strategy that I think we need to be mindful of. And in fact, we can see that he used it at the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Remember that account? I know, boys and girls, you've read about it, where Adam and Eve were told, don't eat of any tree. No, I take that back. What were they told? See, I'm already getting it mixed up, which is exactly what the devil wanted them to do. God said, you can eat of every tree except for one. And just don't eat from that. Wow. But what does the devil do to Eve? He comes to her and tries to plant doubt in God's Word. Did God really say that you're not supposed to eat of any of the tr trees in the garden? You see how he did that? He took a partial truth, the prohibition against one the fruit of one tree, and he spread it to all to get Eve to just wonder and say, well, wait a minute, maybe I heard God wrong. Maybe, maybe did, did he really say that? We, we better check that out. And therein began the problems. He did the same to Jesus. Right before Jesus was led in the wilderness to be tempted, he had been baptized. And we read that a few weeks ago. And when Jesus was baptized, what do we know happened? The Holy, the Holy Spirit came down upon him in the form of a dove. And the heavens opened and a voice said what? This is my son. What is the first words that the devil says to Jesus? If you are the Son of God, then prove it. Do you see the dispersion of doubt that he wants to bring to everything that God says? Are you really the Son of God? Come on, no way. And in fact, if you are, then you're going to prove it. And in fact, Satan even used the word in one of his temptations to try to say, well, if you're the son of God, then, then this Bible that you quote should be true. You should be able to jump off this high point and not worry about it because this angel is going to take care of you. You see, the devil and his angels do know the Bible, but they use it inappropriately, out of context and for the wrong purposes. But did you notice what Jesus did? He used the Word of God in the right way for the right purposes. Each and every temptation, he responded to Satan, it is written. And then he recited, guess what, boys and girls? He recited his memory work. He quoted Scripture. 
and use that to rebuke the devil and send him away. I wonder if we can't learn from that example as well. What would happen if we, when we are confronted with temptations, especially if they are the type that kind of recur? I think, adults, you probably know what I might be referring to, or at least the type of things where the temptation keeps coming back over and over. What would happen if we indeed were intentional about having a Word of God specifically, whether that's in our memory or not? By the way, we're not too old to memorize. Boys and girls, remind your parents of that, okay? When they are testing you on memory the next time, I give you permission to turn the tables around and say, you know, mom and dad, I'm memorizing these five Bible verses perhaps over the next couple weeks. I challenge you to learn just one of them. How does that sound, boys and girls? If you think that's a good idea to see if your parents can memorize at least one Bible verse by memory, say amen. Amen. (laughs) Some of you were a little shy to say it because you know that that might not go over very big. And, And I respect that. But we are not too old. If not to memorize, then to have God's Word at hand. And what would happen if, when those temptations come, to be able to say, Satan, you've been defeated. Jesus defeated you, and his word is true. You cannot manipulate God's word, because you know what God, Satan still does? He says, did God really say that, that this type of behavior is really wrong? Did he really say that this attitude that, that you keep having is, is really that bad? Isn't it justified? Did he really say that, that he's going to love you and that he is good even when all of this terrible stuff is going on? Come on, there's no way that that can be true. He uses the same strategy. So what better way to deal with it than to respond with the very truth of God's Word, a truth of God's Word that we as a congregation that sponsors, that has, that is a Lutheran school, has the privilege to share with our children on a daily basis. What a blessing that we have, just as there's Lutheran schools literally around the world, although not a lot outside of our country, But across this country, in this area, and especially right here, a Lutheran school in which we have a daily opportunity as teachers and staff and volunteers to continually set before the Word by which the Holy Spirit calls our students to faith, to good works, to following Him. Now, St. Lawrence is not a perfect school. There are many stories out there, believe it or not, that might speak to the opposite. Or, but at the same time, with all of our frailties, it nevertheless is indeed a place where the goal and the hope and the prayer and the hours of energy and training that goes into everything that is behind a school are designed ultimately for one thing, 
for God's word and the love of Christ to be proclaimed. Many of you know that in uh, our confirmation process, as our eighth graders arrive at that point, we invite them to choose their own confirmation verse. And we have them then write a statement of faith on the basis of that, where they talk about that, that verse, but especially their faith as they've come to experience God's grace through Jesus. I would like to share with you um, a portion of one of those statements of faith. Now, a little disclaimer here. This hasn't been published yet. Statements of faith have not been made public, but I've gotten special permission to share it. But you can't go blabbering it all over, okay, and ruin the thunder for the Statement of Faith Day, which, by the way, is April 10th in the afternoon, 2 o'clock Sunday. But, but I'd invite you to listen to this from one of our eighth graders. For now, the Lord has called me to spend most of my time being a student. Before I came to St. Lawrence, I did not enjoy school. My parents could see how unhappy I was, and so they guided me to St. Lawrence. This year has been an amazing blessing for me. All the aspects of being a successful student, like respecting my teachers, working to my potential, helping others, and learning from my mistakes are all coming together. The peace of God has guarded my heart and my mind, knowing that I needed to be in a different environment, even though it was scary at first. My friends, that is nothing less than the work of the Holy Spirit calling this individual to faith, to stronger faith, to recognize the plan that God wants to continue working in that life. And we pray and pray earnestly that that would indeed continue. But what a blessing that that is. That the same Spirit who, who called our Lord into the wilderness and tells us to anticipate difficulties and temptations and struggles is the same one who calls you and me to follow, to live, to experience His grace, and to respond. Perhaps, as Moses did fairly reluctantly, or perhaps as energetically as Isaiah did in his call, but when he calls us, that we are able to say, here I am. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.